Welcome to the Link Adelaide podcast. My name is Steve Moylan, and today I've got another artist from the 2015 Adelaide Fringe. And I'm joined on the line by James Wellsby, whose uh, contemporary dance work Hex is uh, on show at the 2015 Adelaide Fringe Festival. Uh, how are you doing, James? I am great, Stephen. I'm, um, I'm loving being in Adelaide. I've uh, had the chance to see a few shows, and Hex opened last night. And how did it go? How was it? How was it received last night? Oh, well, I thought it went really well. I, I love it. I, I love doing the show. I love having the chance to do it in different venues. We're at the Royal Croquet Club uh, this time at uh, in the Black Box mm-hmm. here, yeah. which is it's great. It works really well, and I think it, it suits the space. And uh, the response last night was really, really enthusiastic. So we're, you know, we're really hoping to connect with Adelaide people, you know, meet new people here, and sort of have the show spark some discussions while we're here. Yeah, because you've had uh, really good responses around the show. You've just taken it essentially on a national tour and played it up in Works in Sydney and up in Brisbane and over in Perth as well, I think. Um, and um, we're, we're taking it to, to Pact in Sydney and that's um, that's next week. But uh, yeah, we've, we've, uh, we were just in Brisbane at the Powerhouse and Perth at Pika. So it's, it's getting some traction, which is cool. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. I just I saw the powerhouse photos online and just like I assumed it was carriage works with all the bare wall and that kind of stuff which made it look really cool as uh, well. They look very similar, don't they? Yeah. Um <laughs> so the work is is a three person dance work that you created for uh the Next Wave Festival in Melbourne last year. Um yep. what can you tell me about it? Uh it's a show about AIDS activism. Mm-hmm. Sex and Disco. Uh, it's really looking at the early years of the AIDS crisis and the club's uh, dance styles that existed at the time and looking at all of that period through a contemporary lens. So asking, what does the AIDS crisis mean to people born after 1981? Uh, what does it mean to the, to the generation that was born um, at the start of the epidemic? where we've never known a world where HIV-AIDS doesn't exist. It's the, the reality of what we've grown up in, um, but sort of questioning what it means to us and why a lot of my peers and people of my generation seem to not care too much. There seems to be a lot of apathy and ignorance, so that's, that's what the show is kind of investigating. Because it's certainly, it's certainly massively different for people who were affected during the period when the AIDS crisis was at its height and there were all these people dying, like everyone who knew people, everyone knew people that were dying of it, everyone friends who were dying of it. Whereas now, very few people or many less people are dying of AIDS than used to um, because there's been amazing advances in treatment and all that kind of thing. Um, And so people, I guess, maybe have forgotten what it was and how crazy those times were and how frightening too. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in wealthy countries like Australia, the reality is um, people aren't, aren't passing away of, of age-related illness all, all the time now. And, and this is really good news. But I think, I guess what my show is sort of looking at is, is like an intergenerational relationship and um, kind of looking at the way the gay community functions in terms of of generation and um, I guess inherited grief. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in 1987, which is 
the year that the um, greatest amount of people died from AIDS-related illness. It was also the year that ACT UP formed the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power. And it was the year that the Grim Reaper um, public service announcement ran on um, Australian television. So I guess for me the symbolism there is like I, w- I was born in an in a year when um, AIDS was really devastating the gay community through loss of life and also through the, the kind of creation of a lot of stigma. And when I sort of came of age as a teenager and realised I was gay and, um, you know, kind of became bit by bit part of the community, I kind of realised that some kind of nightmare situation had just happened or was still happening. You know, I wasn't sure, but I was kind of so excited to be part of this community. But then there seemed to be this kind of dark cloud that was kind of hovering over it, or there seemed to be some some kind of um, like major trauma that had just happened, and the traces of that kind of were evident mm. in the way that people uh, were talked about sexual health, and you know, I when I, I started, um, I was sexually active fairly young, and um, I remember going to have my first um, STD screening when I was you know young teenager. And the way the nurse talked to me when she drew my blood um, was very scary. And, you know, I wasn't ready to talk to my my parents yet. And I wasn't ready to talk to my teachers. And, I, you know, I didn't really have an older gay role model, really, that I could talk to. I had some people that I looked up to, but I wasn't ready to be so candid and um, honest. And this, uh, you know, I've, I've heard interviews and I've heard um, other gay people talking about not only about the AIDS crisis and this kind of thing, but talking in a sense that the gay community lost an entire generation to AIDS so that the next generation came through, which is kind of your generation. You don't have immediate role models. You've kind of, there's, you, you sort of skips a generation and you sort of lost a whole generation of people that you can kind of look up to and kind of grow into the community. I don't know, I don't know what the right kind of terminology is, is for it, but you just kind of just have this whole this AIDS blip, as it were, just kind of completely disappeared. Yeah. And even to call it a blip is probably wrong as well because AIDS is still around. Well, absolutely, AIDS is still around. And, you know, it is a massive world issue. The continent of Africa is really suffering. um, And some of that suffering really could be relieved relieved through money um, because the technology that medicine is there, it's just we need money um, to deliver the access. There has been some, um, some major world wins in terms of, um, uh, in terms of uh, science breakthroughs and so on to stabilize uh, HIV for it to become a chronic and manageable condition rather than, you know, the death sentence that it, it sort of may have been 30 years ago. Um, but uh, I, I felt, you know, I... I'd never really felt I was an appropriate person to talk about um, the African AIDS crisis or the, you know, the hemophiliac AIDS crisis. I felt like I could only sort of tell my story, which is from the point of view of the gay community, really, not not even to speak about the queer community, but the gay community, mm. and to say, yeah, th- these absences are really noticeable. And when I started doing more research, more and more research, and 
I realized there were all these artists that I just adored um, that, I, you know, I would never be able to meet. I would never be able to see, you know, their, their work later in life because, unfortunately, they were lost. And, you know, there's people like Freddie Mercury, Kraft Nomi, um, of course, Peter Allen, you know, he, he wrote, as I still call Australia Home, a famous Australian song and kind of this thing that some people just don't acknowledge, like his, uh, his sexuality. Mm. Um, uh, you know, the list goes on. Sylvester, Liberace, um, Keith Haring is one of my favorite visual artists of all time. The Australian David McDermott is probably my favorite visual artist of all time, and he was uh, his director of Sydney Mardi Gras for a number of years. And um, you know, I think these like part of my mission of the show is to say that actually that generation isn't lost; they live on in us today, um, and we will never forget them. Mm. So that's that's what the show is trying to address: this like inherited grief. And the collective responsibility to um, to never forget. So, it, you know, it's, the show's not really about the reality of living with HIV in 2015. It's, it's that's like other people handle that, and that's slightly different subject matter. My show is about um, is the fact that we're still collectively healing from the AIDS crisis. Kind of in in a way, it's it's more of an acknowledgement then that your generation is aware of what's gone on before and you want to reach out. Yeah. Well, exactly. We want to reach out. Um, we want to play our part in community. Um, you know, we're not all just obsessed with iPhones and Facebook. Like, we do care about um, community identity, history, and health. Uh and I'm not really, you know, I'm also not telling people to use condoms or anything like that. I don't really, I don't feel like an activist in that way. I'm an artist, mm. and I'm really sort of dealing with emotionality and spirituality and, um, you know, seeing things from different perspectives. Uh, so it's, it's about the relationship between generations and, you know, what does it mean for someone in their mid-20s to be doing disco moves on stage in 2015. What does it mean to, to be doing old-style voguing and um, 80s jazz and 90s kind of rave dancing? What does it mean, you know? And I think maybe at the deepest level of this project, maybe it reveals that my generation will never fully know what the age crisis was like, mm. but it's really important that we try. Yeah. And that you sort of seek to acknowledge it, and you know, let let that generation know that you're around and you're you're open to talking about it, and you're open to kind of because really you just need to have the conversations because that generation needs to know that your generation still cares. Yeah, well, some of us do. <laughs> so, yeah, massive generalizations. And the, you know, well, you know, the the reason the impetus for the work came. I've been working on this project for two years, and two years ago there was a huge spike in the rise of new HIV notifications in people my age. It had risen um, something like 30% new new notifications. So, you know, that that's kind of... Um, well, it's indicative that maybe people weren't sort of so focused on safe sex, um, you know, anymore. Uh, 
so that was happening. Also, you know, there was this release, and maybe this is more of an American thing, but um, I'm American too. My mother's American. She's from New Jersey, and I partly grew up in America, so I feel quite connected to my American heritage. Mm. Uh, but there was the release of a few archival documentaries um, about AIDS activism, like How to Survive a Plague and United in Anger and um, We Were Here. And so this is this period for me where, you know, more than a handful of my friends um, were notified of their HIV positive wow. two years ago. You know, okay, that's, that's something. It's, it's really... It's not the end of the world at all. Mm. In fact, it's, 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 it is what it is. Um, but that's what's happening. And uh, these um, archival documentaries came out. And, um, and a friend of mine in New York named Jason uh, actually passed away um, from a few health complications, one of them being HIV. Uh, he was battling um, depression and alcoholism as well. So the, the combination... Um, it didn't really work out for him, mm. but with this kind of period in time when it felt like you know everything old was new again, to quote Peter Allen, um, and so I wanted to address it uh, through the arts and in the best way I know how, which was through dance. And uh, yeah, the show premiered in Next Wave Festival, and then it was remounted for AIDS 2014 um, as part of the Australian Cultural Program, and now we're on an Australian tour, and uh, so far, so good. It's huge. I mean, the, some of the responses I've sort of read about you having have been really, really strong, really, really amazing. What What are some of the ones that you that really stuck out to you, particularly, I guess, from the generation of people who um, lived through the AIDS crisis? Well, I have a lot of people who write to me, you know, who see the show and write me private messages on Facebook or email me, and their, their support is really meaningful and hugely appreciated. And it is very, you know, it's very personal, some of the things people have said. Mm. But basically, they're very, very happy to see younger people um, accepting that, you know, they are a, a part of the lineage of queer history. And you can't, it, it's, it's meaningful to engage with queer history um, as a community rather than just saying that the story of your generation is the only story that matters. Um, so there's been a lot of really personal feedback. There's been a lot of emotional feedback. Um, and in terms of people kind of writing about the show publicly, it's very, it's very obvious to me when people really get it mm. and they, they see all the symbols in the show and they, listen to kind of the nostalgic music and the way we've remixed the music to make it kind of both uh, retrospective and contemporary. Um, you know, and to, to generalize, people from the gay community, when they see the show, they tend to really get it, you know, because they just, they know it and they've lived this and we're all a part of this. Um, whereas sometimes... You know, maybe when someone from the dance community, pure dance community, not part of the queer community, um, when they write about it, they tend to miss a lot. Um, you know, a lot of the layers, a lot of the symbols, they, they just don't necessarily see it. Um, and that's not really a problem for me because, you know, I'm just trying to 
um, provoke people to engage with with the, the topic. Um, and you know, some people are much more uh, learned in um, these areas than others. Mm. And it's fine. Everyone can be at different stages of of you know knowing. Um, and you know, even if people hate the show, that's fine as, as long as I sort of get them thinking about it and talking about it. And those conversations that they have um, after they've seen the show are hard to kind of track and mm. quantify. Um, but I know they're happening, and you know they do kind of they kind of spiral around, and people talk to each other and all that kind of thing. But um, and that makes the work I really mean, important I'll, too. In a sense, yeah, it's, it's the stuff you talk about afterwards, and if the if the if a work has provoked any kind of response, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, whatever yeah. thing you don't want to provoke is nothing. Like you want to have some yeah, kind yeah, of reaction at the end of it. Yeah, there's that that term "get it and forget it." Mm-hmm. And sometimes you know you see shows and you get it and forget it. It's like okay, you know, next. But yeah. Sometimes you think you see things that really do stir you, and I think that's. Well, you know, that's what I hope Hex is doing. And it certainly feels like it is from the reactions that I've read. So you can sort of, I think you'd be quite proud of that. Well, it's it's, it's hard for me to tell sometimes. And, you know, with something, I've put in so much work. I mean, I've basically been working on this show full time for two years. Mm. And, um, you know, I've, I've hardly, like, I've lost so much money. Um, doing it, uh, and I've encountered really like a lot of, a lot of, I wouldn't say overt, but I've encountered a lot of kind of homophobia and some some polyphobia as well around the subject matter and people saying, you know, that show won't sell, we can't program it, there's no audience for it. Um, people don't want to sh- see shows about something so serious and so on and. You know, when people say this to me, I'm just like, oh, yeah, uh, whatever. <laughs> like, just, you know, no thanks. <laughs> if, if, you're that, if you're that scared, like, go away. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, I've just been, I've been very, very determined to get, get the show um, off the ground. And the fact that it's gone national is really, really sensational. And, yeah, it's, it feels really good. And, you know, connecting with them, you can tell when you connect with an audience. People respond very strongly, and that's what I want. So it's, it's always obvious when that happens. Um, now, it's not just you on stage. You're dancing with the two other performers. Um, who are they? Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, James Andrews is uh, one, and Shafia Books is the other, uh, my fabulous dancers. Um, they're both people I invited to dance in the project, so I, you know, I didn't hold auditions or anything like that. They're people I've known for a long time and worked with in other um, work contexts. Uh, originally, James's role in the show was performed by uh, Benjamin Hancock, who also helped co-devise the show, well, who is a, a collaborative divisor um, in the creative development, but then wasn't available um, for the, the national tour because he's, he's got other work going on. He's got to juggle a lot, so um, uh, James Andrews is performing in it. And the three of us kind of represent different types of people, different types of gender identities and different types of um, cultural backgrounds uh, in the show. So it's really good to 
even even though there's only three people on stage, you can kind of get a sense that we're representing, you know, commun- community at large rather than just one type of person. Mm. Awesome. What's your favourite moment of the show? Uh, favourite moment of the show? Well, um, it's like, I have a few. Yeah, It's like picking your favourite <laughs> love... baby. Yeah, right, right. Um, well, I love uh, just drawing the Grim Reaper in the show. That's something that I'm really proud of and really into. You know, the Grim Reaper campaign um, was controversial in that it, you know, yes, it raised discourse about HIV and AIDS, but it also signifies a lot of people. And I, I really love just destroying the Grim Reaper, um, parodying and, and literally destroying the Grim Reaper in the show. So I, I love that conceptually. Um, performatively, we have kind of a, a protest scene, which is kind of mutates into a rave scene. Uh, kind of an early 90s act-up process scene, which becomes a early 90s kind of rave scene. And um, uh, I love a, a, a little moment in that scene when um, it becomes uh, an arrest and the other two performers are arresting me and I'm avoiding arrest, you know, this kind of civil disobedience thing. And mm-hmm. then they're kind of literally like grabbing me and pulling me down and I'm sort of climbing over them and jumping and like launching out for my life and uh it's like it's this cackle and this real struggle and it's real like Mm. it's not choreographed it's improvised every night and it's it's real and i i love doing that because it scares me (laughs) so yeah that's something something i love performing because you you never know what's going to happen Awesome. Well, we're so happy you're here in Adelaide for Hex. Uh, James Wellsby's Hex uh, plays the Black Box at the Royal Croquet Club, eighteenth uh, to the twenty second of February. Uh, show runs uh, for sixty minutes. Send tickets on sale through Fringe Ticks. With more details at adelaidefringe.com.au and linkadelaide.com.au. Uh, James, it's been a pleasure having a chat to you today, and uh, enjoy the rest of your season here in Adelaide and the rest of the national tour. Oh, thank you so much. It's really great to be here. For more, visit linkadelaide.com.au, check us out at facebook.com forward slash linkadelaide, or tweet us at linkadelaide.